Labour Party dissent over internet censorship goes public, shock horror modern vigilantes use Facebook, and the interim Premier of New South Wales says a precedent is not actually a precedent. <laughs> well, she would. This is the 9pm edict. Well, they're always interim premiers in New South Wales, aren't they? I'll come back to the delightful, the sexy and sensual Christina Keneally shortly. Hello, I'm Stilgerian. Welcome to The Edict, recorded at a pub called Kelly's on King Newtown in Sydney tonight. Well, today the Australian government released the draft legislation that will implement the regulatory framework for the National Broadband Network Company. No one's had a chance to read it, and it's boring, and after all, it's only about $43 billion of your money and laws which will shape the internet industry for decades to come. Now, let's uh, instead talk about Trinity Bates, the eight-year-old girl killed in Bundaberg in Queensland. It's a terrible business when a child is apparently abducted and killed, especially when she's blonde and photogenic, and the media has been given a photograph which shows that she matches the kind of ideal Aussie kid that every margarine advertisement would be creaming themselves to be able to use. Yes, a terrible business. To the Bates family, I'm sorry. You've not only lost a beautiful daughter, you've been assigned the role of victim family, and will never hear the end of it. I'm truly sorry. But... Some 19-year-old guy has been charged with the murder and hundreds of people have joined a Facebook vigilante group calling for his death. This has the potential, of course, to prejudice his court case. Reports Fairfax, quote, Facebook is already under fire for allowing offensive and illegal postings, but you fools, Facebook is no more responsible for what their users post, then this pub is responsible for whatever crap comes out of my mouth while recording this program. You are, of course, as usual, confusing the venue with the people. It is people who say and do stupid things. It is people who act as vigilantes and decide that they will take the law into their own hands. I don't think we're ever going to hear the end of stories like this. Twitter said this week that they now handle 50 million tweets a day. And, of course, within minutes, all of the social media fucktards were out there saying, oh, what a big number, oh, wow, wow, 50 million tweets a day. No, it's not wow. Any kind of basic numeracy skills would have told you it's not wow. Think of the numbers. 50 million tweets a day. Sure, but Twitter, earlier the in this year was talking about 75 million registered users and even if all of those registered users okay you know some of them are spam bots some of them are people who've registered and then never used their twitter accounts but you're still talking tens of millions of twitter users multiplied by a few tweets a day you get to 50 million very easily what is so wow about that. I've said before, well I said on Monday night, that a big number out of context means nothing. You actually have to put it in some context to understand whether this is something that you should be amazed about or not. And quite frankly, 50 million tweets a day is not something that you should be amazed about. It is a basic 
number that comes from taking the number of Twitter users, multiplying them by a few tweets a day, using this secret modern technology called multiplication, and there you have it. But of course, we now have this number, which will uh, turn up in social media PowerPoint presentations as yet another proof that social media is somehow vast and important because there's a number with a million at the end of it. You fucktards. Speaking of fucktards, the Premier of New South Wales, Christina Keneally, she has actually today warmly endorsed, as the phrase goes, a plan to build one of Sydney's biggest hotels down at the Barangaroo site. Now, if you're not keeping up with all of this, Barangaroo is down where the uh, container wharves were, down uh, north of Walsh Bay uh, to the east side of the Sydney CBD. If you're outside of Sydney, just turn off at this point and come back in a couple of minutes. A British architect by the name of Richard Rogers has put forward a plan which would stick a massive hotel development 100 metres out on a pier from uh, the side of this development out into Sydney Harbour. He thinks it's uh, the only solution to get around the uh, difficulty, of, as he calls it, of achieving a good design uh, building over the water. Now, uh, the problem with this design, of course, is that it breaches planning guidelines. You know, the law. But, of course, uh, Premier Keneally has endorsed this plan and insists that uh, breaching the planning guidelines to approve this kind of development wouldn't create a precedent that other developers would seek to follow. I don't know how she uh, logically comes to that conclusion, because it is a precedent. And once you have someone saying they can build a 100-storey hotel out across the, uh, the harbour, what would stop someone else saying, you approve that one, why won't you approve this one? Seems basic to be, Ms Keneally, but then, uh, you know, you are, as I say, the temporary Premier of New South Wales, and, uh, you know, you are not a puppet of Eddie Obede at all. No. Let's just look back at your Wikipedia page at your career and Mr. Abid does not figure in that at all, does he? No. It turns out that internet filtering is back in the news this week, despite what I said on Monday. Senator Kate Lundy, the Labor Senator for the Australian Capital Territory, has said she will introduce her own legislation on internet censorship, which is significantly different from the plan being proposed by Minister for Communications and not washing his hands after taking a piss, Senator Stephen Conroy. Some newspaper called The Australian is reporting this as a, quote, split, unquote, in the Labor Party. And indeed, there have been continual rumours that some Labor backbenchers are somewhat worried about the continued opposition to the Rudd government's plan to introduce mandatory internet filtering. Now it's public, and Lundy has told The Australian there's a lot of interest in her proposal. This clearly makes Conroy more vulnerable, and he's already copping flack for giving $250 million to the uh, commercial TV networks for some reason, and appointing a Labour Party hack to the NBN Co. on a $450,000 salary without a proper staff selection process, and for launching into the national broadband network itself before any kind of implementation study was done. Now look... The NBN is only the biggest infrastructure project in Australia's history ever, but, like, don't you do implementation studies before deciding to go ahead with the spend? Note to Senator Conroy. The Prime Minister heard of him. 
He keeps talking about transparent processes and evidence-based policy. And your Minister of Finance and Deregulation, Lindsay Tanner, he's into transparency as well. So what the fuck are you up to here? As we all know, you only fast-tracked into the Senate because you're the political numbers man in the right wing of the Labor Party in Victoria, not because you know how to do policy development. Are you starting to realise you're on borrowed time? Are your TV handout and your Jobs for the Boys appointments your final desperate repayment of favours before you get the chop? Yeah. <laughs> but back to the policy. What are the differences between these two proposals for internet censorship? Senator Conroy's plan, as of the last time he explained it, is that internet service providers would install magic filter boxes which would block access to the thousand-odd URLs on the ACMA blacklist, which represent refused classification content. ACMA, by the way, is the Australian Communications and Media Authority, the government body that regulates the communications and media industry. URLs, that is specific web addresses, get on that blacklist because people, members of the public, have found something bad and complain about it. If the content of that URL breaks the rules for online content, and those rules are complicated, then if it's hosted on a server physically in Australia, ACMA issues a takedown notice, but if the content is hosted overseas, then ACMA has no jurisdiction. Instead, the URL is added to their secret blacklist. That blacklist is provided to the makers of Sensorware, all of those parental control systems you can buy, and under Conroy's plan, all ISPs would automatically block this content. I don't know why I'm telling you all this. You should just go to libertas.net and read it all for yourself, just like I told you on Monday night. Under Conroy's plan, there would also be a second level of filtering, whereby parents could request extra filtering if they wanted it, though the details are vague, to say the least, less than vague. That's off in some distant future, don't talk to me about it, world that Conroy wants us not to talk about. Senator Lundy's proposal, by comparison, is twofold. One, ISPs would be required to offer a filtered feed, a mandatory offer, as she puts it. There would be different levels of filtering, ranging from filtering only the bits of the ACMA blacklist which specifically relate to child pornography, or as the official wording has it, child abuse material, to filtering more stuff, presumably to limit your internet to a PG or G-rated only feed. Though there doesn't appear to be any details yet. If you don't specify to your ISP what you want, then by default you'd only have the kiddie porn removed. Two, and this is the real alternative, you could choose to have an open internet that is completely unfiltered. Check the details at katelundy.com. Now, Senator Lundy's plan matches the proposal put forward by the Safer Internet Group, a mob of extreme libertarian radicals including Google, Yahoo, the Inspire Foundation. Uh, they're an organisation which is about preventing youth suicide and improving young people's mental health and well-being. And don't get me started on the truly disgusting statistic which is the level of youth suicide in this country. And that mob of bomb-throwing radicals, Alia, the Australian Librarian and Information Association. And I mean, yes librarians, you know, lock up your kids. In other words, it's a plan that's put forward by people who know how the internet works and who care about empowering our children, as opposed to whatever weird-ass people convinced Senator Conroy that we must have mandatory internet filtering before the research was actually done into whether this would be effective at stopping the pedophiles or protecting kids or, well, effective at anything, really. Now, I'm sure the no-clean-feed feral goldfish will rush to endorse Senator Lundy's proposal, but I'm not so sure. There's three problems as I see it. 
first, we're still going to be implementing the same core network architecture. That is, ISPs will still be installing filter boxes to decide what we can and cannot access. Sure, we can choose whether we want those boxes to be active for our access, but the boxes are still there. This is still the same piece of the jigsaw puzzle called comprehensive internet censorship that is there under Conroy's plan, with the added complexity and therefore cost that it has to be operational for some ISP customers and not for others. That makes it even more expensive. Second, if you want the open internet, you presumably have to ask for it. That automatically adds you to a list somewhere. Quite frankly, I have real problems with the concept of anyone, anywhere, having a list that says, these people asked for free communications. It's not something we should have to ask for, and it's not something which should be recorded. I shouldn't have to feel that asking for free access to the world's information lumps me in with pedophiles who want to get around the kiddie porn filter. Third, goddammit, no one has ever successfully demonstrated that filtering web traffic will make any difference whatsoever to the covert distribution of child pornography. Senator Conroy all but admits that with his this is no silver bullet mantra. His most recent version of the aim of the filter is that it's about reducing the inadvertent exposure to child pornography. Christ, no one just stumbles across that stuff. And when it comes down to it, why the fuck are parents not supervising their own children? Why the fuck are you so afraid of telling parents, Senator Conroy, to actually be parents instead of expecting the government to be your babysitter? This is the 9pm edict. People make comments on this program. Here's one of them. G'day still, Dean LK here. Uh, just wanted to leave you a quick note regarding your first edict. I thought it was pretty uh, pretty good. I liked that you were pricking the balloons of hysteria with some uh, barbs of, of context. I hope you'd keep doing that in the future. Uh, I'd like to hear about... Um, some more of the questions that didn't get asked about particular stories and uh, maybe like a talking points brief of, of questions that got missed and hopefully some journos out there will actually start asking those questions and providing more of that context that you've given us. I reckon that's it. Keep up the good work, mate. Cheers. Thanks, Dean. If you'd like to leave a comment, just like that man did just there, either Skype to Stilgarian or phone Sydney 02801137333. Details on the website. Uh, and we indeed did also have some comments on the website. Jason Langenauer reckons I was harsh, suggesting there was a normal level for deaths in the residential building and maintenance industry. Uh, by that, Jason, I really just meant that uh, a level that is consistent with the kind of statistics we've seen in the past. Obviously, yes, any deaths in the building industry or anywhere else are, are, are tragic, but it does seem to be that focusing on the deaths involved in installing insulation as part of the government's rapid rollout may be not necessarily an interesting statistic. Possum Politics over at Crikey Blogs today has pointed out that if you actually analyse the number of fires caused by metal insulation in roofs after the government's uh, insulation scheme, that there's actually less of them per new installation 
than was happening previously. Uh, statistics is a wonderful thing. But yes, if you want to leave a comment, please leave one. Now I want to talk about the T word, terrorism. This hasn't got a lot of coverage in the Australian media, but the other day, a man called Joe Stack of San Marcos in Texas flew his light aircraft into a building. He, ki- he was killed. He was killed, obviously. But the interesting thing is that this is being referred to as suicide by aircraft. And yet what's interesting is that it was an act of terrorism. But the US government has been extremely reluctant to label it terrorism because, of course, they want to label terrorism as something that is done by people of Middle Eastern appearance. This is what happened. A Piper Cherokee PA-28236 single-engine plane was crashed into the building in Austin, Texas that houses the local Internal Revenue Service Criminal Investigation Unit. Now, that's uh, IRS. That's the American Tax Office. And uh, the chap who did it had a history of uh, difficulties with the tax office, shall we say, in the United States. Now, is this terrorism? Because, after all, back in... uh, The 11th of September in that year, some people of Middle Eastern appearance flew aircraft into the World Trade Center, and that was terrorism. Well, the United States Patriot Act, Title 8, Section 802, defines terrorism thusly. An act of terrorism means any activity that A involves a violent act or an act dangerous to human life that is a violation of the criminal laws of the United States or any state or that would be a criminal violation if committed within or whatever. Okay, section A. Violent act or an act dangerous to human life that's in violation of criminal laws. Yes, flying your aircraft into a building is dangerous to human life. Part A, done. Part B. It appears to be intended to intimidate or coerce a civilian population or to influence the policy of a government by intimidation or coercion or affect the conduct of a government by assassination or kidnapping. Okay, that's part B. Well, Joe Stack left a note which went into a whole lot of gripes about the US tax office, and it goes on for 36 paragraphs. But he says in his suicide note, Violence not is... I'll start that again. Violence is not only the answer, it is the only answer. Quote, nothing changes unless there is a body count. So, by the definition, to influence the policy of a government by intimidation or coercion? Yes, that's part B. That fits the official legal American definition of terrorism and yet Joe Stack's actions of flying that aircraft into a taxation building is not being classified as terrorism by the Americans because I suspect that Obama's government does not want to be seen 
to be classifying people who might be opposed to his particular view of the world as terrorists. That's not particularly good. And therefore, I think it's time for an edict. This is edict number two. And it's quite simple. If you define a term like terrorism, then you apply it consistently. No matter who it is, no matter where they're from, if you've defined a crime, it applies to them. Including your own citizens. Including some mad nutter who flies his plane into a building. If he fits the definition of terrorist, then you apply it consistently. Well, that's all for the edict tonight. I'll be back on Monday night in a program recorded live from Sanctuary Cove on the Gold Coast. God help me. That's on Monday, the 1st of March, at or before 9pm, because this is the 9pm edict. <laughs>